Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the 4K 5.0 or the budget-friendly solo, Tacticam has something for everyone. You can check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we are also working with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the white-tailed deer hunter. Spartan Forge is designed to deliver intuitive and science-based products to save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. Basically what Spartan Forge does is it takes collared deer studies from all over the country, car deer accidents, insurance information, pictures you post on social media, and it puts all of that into a computer and then it reads the data and then starts to predict where and when all of these things happen. And it goes back 30 years with weather data patterns, and it puts all of that in there, and it predicts for you the best time that you should be in the woods. And that's all it does right now. This machine does not stop learning. It's pretty scary stuff, really. If they're doing this for deer, they can do this for people. They can do this for all different stuff. But right now, Spartan Forge is available online. It's at a fixed price right now. If you sign up now, that price is not going to change for the entire lifetime of your tenure as a Spartan Forge customer. But coming in August, it's going to be an app for your phone. And as this thing grows, it takes more data. So more data is more storage. More storage costs more money. So the price is going to go up. But if you sign up right now, prior to that expansion, that price will not change. And it's not a monthly thing. It's an annual fee. Um, And you can check that out at SpartanForge.ai. And when you sign up, if you use code bowhunter you can save 25 percent, and that will be your price for the entire thing so it's definitely worth checking out um right now you know we're kind of out of deer season so um you'll go on there and it's going to predict it's going to tell you that uh, deer are kind of sticking to their core area they're really not moving around that much that would be my guess but they have a ridiculous pro staff we're talking Garrett Prawl, Andy May, Greg Litzinger, Parker McDonald, um, you know, guys all over the country in different regions. And this data is regional. So um, if you're in Maine or, you know, Kentucky, Georgia, you know, um, it's going to be tailored specifically to your zip code and your deer. And it's ever-evolving. So they are trying to make this actually they're basically trying to test it to fail and uh it's actually predicting uh 60 to 75 percent correct right now so if it's telling you don't go hunt you shouldn't you shouldn't be hunting maybe you can use that as a a honeydew list day and on the days of telling you to hunt there's a 70 60 to 70 percent chance that you're going to see something so it's definitely worth checking out very very uh high level stuff for um, deer hunting, um, but again, SpartanForge.ai. Got to give a shout out real quick to uh, our latest Patreons, um, Cheney Gardner 
in North Carolina and Nathan Golds. He's right here in Rockford, Michigan. Haven't met the guy, but it looks like he just had a baby. So congratulations on the new baby boy. Hope everything is going well. Hope to meet meet up with you. We're actually um, uh, tethered is coming to host a teaching train here in Muskegon at our local club. So if anybody's listening from around the Michigan area or uh, within a reasonable drive, um, it's going to be a great event. Going to be April 10th. So you can go on Tether's website and click on the teaching trains and sign up. Um, or we put a link on our Facebook to that. Uh, but it's going to be April 10th. So you can check that out. That's going to be cool. Uh, also, we're giving away a bow. So uh, we do a lot of giveaways through Patreon. I'll get into what Patreon is here in a second. But we're giving away a brand new Bowtech 2021 Carbon Zion. Um, it's the upgraded Carbon Ion um, upgraded diamond deploy bow I've been shooting for the last three years. Um, great bow, uh, incredible value. Uh, we're coming out of pocket with this, uh, working with uh, Johnson's Great Outdoors in Montague. Uh, we're going to be giving you that bow fully set up with a Tetra site from HHA as well as a rest from HHA. The bow is going to be ready to go. Um, and all you got to do is go to our website and click on the link and sign up for the bow you can go to our instagram click on the link win the bow that's all it is uh there's about uh, 150 people signed up right now so your odds are pretty good uh to win this and like i said this is just something that we're doing to give back because we appreciate everybody that's listened for um, you know as long as we've been doing this everybody that listens we really appreciate it but we do a lot of giveaways for our Patreons. We really appreciate them. Uh, we couldn't do everything that we do with this show without our Patreons. Patreon is a crowdfunding for um, podcasters, creators, um, whatever. Uh, basically, there's tiers. You can sign up. There's different levels. You get different um, benefits for that. And you get additional entries into the giveaways, etc. cetera. Um, it starts out like 17 cents a day. Uh, 33 cents a day, whatever, um, to help us do this. The podcast recorder that I'm recording on, uh, the computer that I edit on, uh, all of that is funded by our Patreons, hosting all of that. Uh, and you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast. There's a link on our website, link on Instagram. Uh, but this quarter, which is going to be ending here next week, so um, probably... Uh, in two weeks, uh, I'll be announcing the winner for all of this stuff that we're giving away. And these are each individual giveaways. So there's like five different sets of giveaways that we're doing. Uh, Tacticam is giving a 5.0 Hunter package with a Turkey Reaper. And they've said whoever wins that when you kill something with that camera, they want to edit the video for you. They want to put it on their social media. They want to showcase you uh, as the winner so that's pretty awesome uh latitude we've been uh you, you've had them on the show they've been they're local to us um i'm a fan of their latitude classic they said hey we'll give you one of those to give away well that's pretty awesome except for what are you going to do with the saddle without all the other stuff so uh artisan outdoor fabrications uh zach snyder over there is giving us one of their um top stick platforms i've got a set of xop mini sticks and then i ordered the new eight millimeter ropes from tethered so i've got all of that uh, we're giving that away as a kit 
Um, Spartan Forge has said, hey, we'll give you uh, one of our gear subscriptions to Spartan Forge uh, and a swag pack, hat, that sort of thing. Base map. So we love base map over here. We've been using it since basically since we've heard of them. Um, it's a lot cheaper than Onyx. It's $30 a year. We've got a code. You can use code Chronicles. You go online, save 20%. So it's $24 a year, $2 a month um, for the entire country. Um, they have an exorbitant amount. They have tons and tons of layers uh, online uh, on your phone. Um, and they are upgrading right now their offline maps. And I've been beta testing that. That's much improved over where they were. Um, and I'm very happy with the with the offline maps. And um, like I say, they're giving away one of their year-long subscriptions as well as a swag pack, hat, shirt, all of that. And like I said, you can check them out. Go online to basemap.com and use code Chronicles. Save 20%. You're all set for the year. $2 a month for all your online mapping needs. Um, and then Zinger Fletches. So these guys are local to us as well. They're uh, Michigan guys anyway. Met them at last year's Tether Teach and Train. Messed around with them. Well, they've got some new... So they're 3D printed fletchings. Uh, they're just slide-on compression fit. Their previous model were kind of s stiff, more of like what you'd think of a 3D printed material. Um, I just got a set of their new new design, uh, new shape to be quieter, um, but a new material. And this material is much like a, a vein. I mean, it's, it's super flexible, um, pretty awesome. I'm going to be shooting those at the Total Archery Challenge this year. I'm putting them on my arrows uh, to really get out there, stretch it out, test out how these things work, how they fly, you know, at shots 60, 70, 100 yards, whatever. And they're giving away some sets of those, uh, you know, so all this is happening within the next two weeks. So um, if you're listening to this before the second week in April, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, sign up and be entered to win all of that. And then we've got swag packs that I send out to everybody um, because I really do just appreciate everybody. We couldn't do this without you. Now, this podcast today is completely off the wall so john just got back from his trip fishing we were just going to touch on it and we got an hour's worth of john talking about his trip fishing down there and uh it's super interesting and if you are into learning about uh fishing saltwater fishing and all of that um you're going to really like this episode um if you just wanted to hear from john because we haven't heard from him in a while <laughs> going to be a great episode but let us know what you think um you know get a hold of us reach out on instagram um you know facebook whatever uh if your patreons you got my phone number text me let me know how this uh podcast went because um i really enjoyed it but it's completely off the wall for us and it's a little bit out of character um but anyways Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. Yeah. All right, everybody, Adam and John, back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We have just been sitting here shooting the shit, having a ball, talking about all the world's problems, the problems with the bow hunting community, saddle hunting, 
archery, fishing. Pandemic, guns, <laughs> end of the world, <laughs> pop, pock. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, right now, uh, go over to our uh, Instagram, click on this uh, post, and say, who do you think is talking about <laughs> what topics? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We don't ever talk about guns or anything on here. I mean, other than we say, like, ah, we don't really hunt with guns, but it's... It's funny. I, I like guns. I have a lot of guns. Um, I have a few guns, just like very, um, what would you say? I I have a shotgun. I used to shoot a ton of skeet. Pragmatic. Trap. Not pragmatic. Just like very ordinary guns. They're like. You're saying I'm not ordinary? No, me. No, I'm saying like so. No, your are... guns are not ordinary. No. <laughs> uh, I think there's some we can't even mention in this podcast. <laughs> Because we might have, the, you know. I'm definitely on the list. The federal government knocking on someone's door. But no, I have a pistol. I have a nine, <laughs> nine millimeter pistol. I have a 12 gauge Benelli shotgun. I have a seven millimeter Magnum Seiko rifle. And then a 1022 Ruger, you know, that I've had since. It was actually Frank's, Uncle Frank's from when I was, probably from before I was born. And that one actually was, that went through, when we lived in Florida, they got stolen. We came up for Christmas and found out that our house had gotten broke into while we were gone. And they took all of our guns. And that was the only gun that we recovered. And we didn't get that back until we, so we lived in Florida for, I don't know, three years or something. Came back to Michigan. And it was like two years after we were back in Michigan my dad got a call from the Broward County Police Department, and they recovered that gun in a sting. <laughs> but, I, so I remember that story, but I didn't remember that it was just the one gun. Yeah, the the rest of them, like the actual, like he had a set of Ithaca Trap and Skeet, like a 12 and 20. Just, I remember they were like beautiful engraving and all that. Never got those back. They they said they threw those in the freaking creek or something, or in the canal, because they, <laughs> they were too unique. You know, they couldn't get rid of them. So, I was going to say, I, my, my thoughts were, you know, they pawned them for 50 bucks or something. Well, like yeah, that. you know, the Ruger 1022. I mean, that's like everybody yeah. had them, so it was an easy gun to get rid of, Where you know. But the freaking matching trap and skeet, they tossed them in the canal. <laughs> so speaking of Florida, we haven't really talked about your trip to 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 Florida, you know, going fishing and going down there, and I just I wanted to like, you know, we we posted a picture of John's, you know, bench with all the fishing stuff and and all that, and it's like, you know, when when I go fishing, like I oh, I went to Florida or I went, you know, went to Mexico and I went on a charter, you know, that's not what you were doing, right? No, no. <laughs> well, I've been, I mean, I've been all over. You know, like you, the world. I mean, Barbados, Cayman, freaking Cabo, you know, all over. And I've always gone on charters, and it's just like, because that's what, I mean, like when you're going out into a different country, you're not going to be renting a boat and going and trying to fish. And so I've done all that. When I started going to Cabo, I started bringing my own surf gear, because that's what I used to do in Florida all the time. And then, you know, so I'd start walking the beaches, whatever, surf fishing but we'd still go out that's where i caught my striped marlin down there we caught uh tuna and all that um we went fishing in 
came in, you know, several times, went on charters and stuff. And I think we caught a barracuda there. I mean, but hopefully we we're every place that we've went though. So we went to Barbados. It was like back in 09 and we got on a charter and it was a half day charter and the people in fr- and on the, we had the second half, the first half of the day, they come rolling in and they caught a Wahoo and a Barracuda and the couple took the freaking Barracuda meat and left the Wahoo. And we're like, we, so we go out, we didn't catch shit. And so my buddy Mark's like, Hey, he's talking to the captain breezy is was the guy's name. And he's like, Hey breezy, since we just went for a boat ride, why don't you give me that Wahoo? And he's like, Oh no, we got to talk to the, that's the owner. She's going to be at the dock. So you can talk to her. And he ended up, talking her into we got half of that wahoo and we ended up eating that and it was like the best fish in the world and so is that why you're always saying like i'm gonna catch a wahoo exactly (laughs) it's bet like we've gone everywhere and everywhere we've gone we've gone on these charters and stuff and like mark finally he went to the keys like a few years ago when we we went to florida also it was like a uh, it was a family trip for us that year and they went down and he ended up catching getting a wahoo but everywhere else we've gone, we get on the boat. Like, we want to catch a Wahoo. We don't care what anything else. And they're like, no, no Wahoo around, man. You know, in Mexico, they're like, no, no, no Wahoo, man. Uh, marlin. I'm like, no, we don't want a freaking Marlin. We want Wahoo. <laughs> and uh, they're like, well, you can't catch what's not here. But so anyway, that was a big old tangent. But so when I, you know, started going back to Florida, uh, you know, like I said, I've always surf fished and everything. And then it kind of transitioned a few years ago, rented a boat. Well, I went down and got my buddies, my, a guy I used to work with, his dad lives down there and he was a charter captain and he had his own personal boats and stuff. So the time that we were down there, he was working his charter. So we go out with him and, you know, good time and everything. But it's like, man, I know how to fish. I don't need, you know. I don't need to pay a charter. And so then I started looking into renting boats. Started, so I rented my own boat the next time. And then this last time I'm like, all right, I'm renting the boat for a whole week. Had a 26 footer, you know, twin engines, real nice boat. And then I started putting my gear together and it was actually, you know, it's a year later than what it was supposed to. Cause last year we had it booked and then due to COVID, we had to cancel everything, get, you know, and so then this year rolls around and we made it down there. But my wife was like fed up with me for the last two months before this trip. Like I haven't shot my bow, n- nothing. I was just, you know, doing research, had my Navionics out every day, watching YouTube videos and, uh, built I started building my own lures and everything. I got, we ended up, I brought 14 rods down and, I mean, all brand new, you know, braid, braid line, you know, everything was, I researched everything, what line I should have, uh, the rods, I did end up getting a few new rods and stuff, you know, for saltwater, but I brought a bunch of, um, old, actually some reels from Frank, which I don't recommend the old pen 209s. Cause we did catch, I caught a black fin tuna on it and it felt, and it was the shotgun rod, which is the longest one way in the back. And it was like reeling in with a freaking ice fishing rod. Like, I mean, literally like the, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels. Wasn't really geared for, 
Right. Yeah. The, the <laughs> handle is like tiny. And I'm like, I felt like I was like a little kid with a Zepco 202, you know, I was like reeling in, you know, cause it took freaking probably 200 yards of line, you know, they'll hold a lot. It holds like 400 yards or, you know, 350 yards. And like I said, that's the long rod. And I was like, oh shit. I'm like slow the boat down, Mark. You know what <laughs> I mean? We still had our other, or the whole spread out, but I don't know, it was, it was fun, but definitely a lesson there. So I won't be, I got another year. I already got the boat rented. So next year we're going, we're going for two weeks and I already have the boat rented for two, the two full weeks, the same boat. So, so you, d- you didn't get a Wahoo? No Wahoo. But what's funny though, I mean like all the research, I mean this long drawn out, whatever, but like everyone, like the charter captains in the Keys, you know, we stayed in Marathon. There's a couple. Uh, one is uh, Captain Ryan Van Fleet from Good Karma Sport Fishing. And he has a podcast. Like I think I mentioned it in one of my photos on Instagram. Like he he has a ton of information. He has like classes that you can go and pay and do courses. But he's in Key Largo. So that's the first key. So he he will go out after a while. But he's like one of the only ones that... I could find or know of that actually will target Wahoo. Most of most of the charter captains, they're not going to go that because people don't want to go out and just go after one specific fish and spend a thousand bucks, you know, just and because it's it's pretty much hit or miss. Like you catch them in the morning, you know, you might get one. It's very specific. Like if you're high speed trolling, that's pretty much the only fish you're going to catch. I mean, when I say high speed trolling, they're going from twelve to twenty knots. I mean. What is that in normal so, people, miles an hour? like 14 knots is about 16 miles per hour. I mean, so give or take. I'm not exact on it, but it's flying. I mean, my first boat didn't even go 20 miles an hour. You know, <laughs> I mean, it didn't even go 10. Yeah. And uh, so, so I did all the research. You know, it's like from 100, 150 out to 300 foot of water, you know, outgoing tide. Uh, three to four days before the, you know, the full moon, um, and all that stuff ended up like working out perfect. Like, I'm like, oh shit. Like I told my wife, I'm like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are like perfect days. It's the tide is right in the morning. It's outgoing. The moon is, you know, it was full on Saturday. And just as long as the weather holds up, we can get out there. I'm like, we got to be out early trolling. And I had all the baits, you know, everything that, you know, for slow troll. I didn't have the reels. I mean, you're pulling 48-ounce lead with a two-pound lure high-speed trolling. So you got to have a freaking massive rod and reel. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're using 50 wides by the you know minimum. This is getting pretty technical. But big freaking reels with a lot of drag. Talking 40, 50 pounds of drag on these reels to hold these lines when you're pulling them. So anyway, we were slow trolling, which was still, we were trolling at nine knots or nine miles an hour. So seven knots, eight knots, but nine miles per hour. I think at one point we even got up to 10, but we're just, I found all the racks and stuff and I put all these waypoints on my Navionics on my phone. So then that was the first thing I did. Like once I got the boat pulled up, it had a nice Garmin graph GPS chart plotter in the, 
Garmin is like actually affiliated with Navionics now. So it had some of the waypoints already in there. But then I added all the ones that didn't that I had already researched. So I was looking for a certain rack in the, you know, the temperature or temperature, the the depth range I was looking for. And I was looking for, so that was everything too. When we got down there, the watt had been cold. So the water temperature was all the way down to 75. So like the dolphin were pushed out, the blackfin tuna were pushed out. They were getting mutton snapper, but the yellowfin tuna or yellowfin, the yellow tail snapper, which is like one of the biggest things that everybody goes after, they were all scattered, you know, so they were getting small ones. They weren't getting the, you know, the big schools, a, a nice size, or they call them flag, flag yellowtails. So like, man, that's a bummer, you know, so, but we went out, we had the first three days were windy. I tried getting out there the one night. I think we went out, Mark and I went out Tuesday or Sunday night, Monday night. And we shouldn't have went out. Like, I never get seasick. But I was already, like, dealing with some cold. And I was having, you know, I was kind of dizzy from that. And I was drinking cold medicine. And we went out and I was trying to set rods. And it was like eight footers. <laughs> and it wasn't just rollers. There were some that were breaking when we are out. And we're 10 miles out. <laughs> and so, I don't know if anyone's been on Lake Michigan 10 miles out. But it's like a whole different world. I mean, when you're in the, you're in the ocean, there's... The next thing is freaking Cuba, you know, <laughs> in the Gulf Stream. You get in the Gulf Stream, that's running six knots, so or six miles per hour. And if you get get out in that and get, you're gone. Bye bye. I mean, <laughs> it's gonna take two hours for someone to find you or get out there, and you could be freaking, you know, a long way off. So we got out, did some trolling on the days that were good, caught. We ended up, caught a mahi, caught a blackfin, did not get a wahoo. But as we were wahoo trolling, I seen one of the guys that I follow on YouTube. And he's got, it's the Florida, Florida Sport Fishing Magazine, Captain Mike. And he does all these seminars. And I'd like watched all of his semi, seminars. He's gotten from everything. Deep drop, slow trolling, planar trolling, high speed wahoo trolling. I'm like, man, that looks like the florida sportsman's boat but he's from hillsborough which is all the way up by my north of miami and we're down in marathon sure enough it was him and they were high speed trolling next thing you know i'm trying to get the freaking camera out that adam had just dropped off the day before i left and here we go again i pushed the button i thought and i'm recording like look at you know recording for his boat and then get done and i turn it off and I put it back up in the bag and I had 30 minutes of the bag. So when I thought I turned it off as when I finally turned it on. So once again, I'm the world <laughs> as the world's worst bow hunter. I'm the world's worst videographer, <laughs> but so on his Instagram, he had caught a Wahoo like on Thursday. I'm like, well, we were in the right place, right time. We just didn't get the fish, but then we, I made, made my own uh ballyhoo net because i was like i'm not paying you know even the cheapest ballyhoo net was like 150 bucks and then the next one was like two you can spend all the way up to 330 dollars on a what hoop, is that a hoop net so i have like so in saltwater when you go to catch your own bait you have a cat most people use a cast net so and i have a cast net i've had it since 
2005, 2006. And, you know, I bring it everywhere. I brought it to Cayman and catch my own bait. But when you're ballyhoo, a ballyhoo is a, a bait that come up on the, they come up on the surface as you're chumming, you're like you get out on the patch reefs, they're called, 20, 30 feet of water, and you start chumming for like yellowtail and everything, get your chum slick going. Well, these ballyhoo, they're just long needle-like looking fish. They come up in and they're like right on the surface and they're pretty like sketchy. Like they, they're, they get spooked easily. Well, you have to be really good. A lot, I mean, guys do it, but you got to have, most of them are using like a real heavy net and a big one, like 10, 12 footer. And they throw their cast net on top. And then it, you got to have one that sinks really quick when you're in that deep of water. So it, you know, it closes them. around them. Yeah. And so I'm like, I have a six footer and it's just a little light one. It's just like a shore net. It's what I, you know, used it, always, always used it for. And so, but the Ballyhoop net, that's the actual brand name. Uh, you buy that, you throw it out. It's like, it looks like a hula hoop with a net attached to it. You throw it out and you let it just go back in the current behind the boat in the chum slick. Well, then all the ballyhoos swim in front of it, and you just pull it in. So if anyone wants to see it, just Google ballyhoop net. So, well, I'm like, man, I have that old cast net. Had it for freaking 15 years now. I'm like, I'm going to make my own. So I end up taking a piece. I have a whole roll of uh, half-inch pecs. So I made a four-foot diameter freaking, you know, hoop with that. Then I cut it in half, and I got a couple connectors, drilled it, and then got some little uh, pin clips so I could separate in half. And then I just took and I laid the my cast net over it and then cut all the lead weights off and then zip-tied it all the way around. So <laughs> Now, is is there uh are there like tutorials on YouTube on how to make this? I mean, like, so it's like you should have did a video on like making. <laughs> I I looked for it and I, I did find one guy that used like, I think he used a hula hoop, but there was no tutorials or anything. The guy just like, yeah, I made my own out of a hula hoop. And I'm like, well, I made it out of a, out of packs. Cause I had literally, there's a hundred foot roll laying there in the garage <laughs> of blue. <laughs> and so all I do is I didn't have, I didn't have enough uh, zip ties, so I just, when I was up at the hardware store, I grabbed a bag of zip ties, and I just, I bought some blue ones to match, so <laughs> we can take a picture of it, it's sitting right behind me on the, in the garage here, but it worked great. So we got up, we got, and that's like one of the key things, like, you can go and buy squid, we, you know, we bought uh, some rig ballyhoo for that first night, just because we didn't have, we weren't going to go catch bait, but I had all the stuff, I had already built up all my rigs and everything to rig my own but so we bought a case of chum uh, and then we bought one bet one uh thing of bionic belly who rigged with wire and one with mono and it's literally you get three baits and it's 15 bucks a bag so we spent 30 bucks for six baits and then with my hoop net we go out you know when we could get out there and chummed up and we we caught over two dozen, you know, just sitting there while we're fishing for the other fish. I'm got the net out and pull it in and throw them in, you know, and our boat had a live well, throw them in. And that's like the, everything eats those. So we had enough. We got done dinking around with the, 
the fish on the patch reefs and we had enough value. So I'm like, all right, now we're going to go out and catch a mutton. I mean, that was like the plan, but you know, the plan <laughs> never works. Like, and like my, my buddy, Mark, who's with, he's, he wanted to hire a captain to go on the boat. I'm like, no, we don't need a captain. I think I've got enough information in my head now that we'll figure it out. So in hindsight, would that have been a good. To hire a captain? Yeah. If, if you, if you're not confident in your own, it, it is a good thing no, to I do. No, I mean for you. like No, it, I it, did not want a captain on my boat. No, I know <laughs> that you didn't want one, but I'm just saying, would it have been beneficial? It, actually, I don't, I'm no. I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but like everything I, like I think I said, it, someone asked in one of the posts when we, when we posted the picture of that, like, what are you going after? And I'm like, mahi, mutton snapper, blackfin tuna, and I'd love a wahoo. So those were the four target species and pretty much anyone can go out and you can either sight fish for the mahi dolphin or you can troll for them. And it, so it's just like, if you have the right rigs and you just, you can dumb luck into one. And when you find those, you finally, you know, usually find the blackfin tuna. Those are, I mean, it's just trolling, throw out some shit and just troll. Mutton on the other hand, that takes a specific, like you're on your bottom fishing and you got to, find the right structure you got to either by be by a rack or know you know where some good structure is on the bottom and it's you know you can catch them up on the like especially right now at this time of year when the water was cold like that it pushed them there was some up on the patch reefs and from 20 to 50 foot of water but normally you're looking in 100 120 even all the way up to 300 feet of water for these fish and so like i said i had already mapped all these spots out with my navionics i'm like okay we're gonna fish this wreck now we got the bait we're closest to this wreck we're gonna go here and sure enough i get out there find the buoys and stuff because some of them are marked with buoy they they have divers and stuff and there's a couple charter boats in the area and set up the drift and so i'm telling mark i'm like all right i'm tying up his rig and like i was the captain of the boat you know or the first mate and i'm like this is what we're gonna do uh, we're going to run a six ounce bank sinker with on a slider and then a 30 foot liter. And I end up running 20 pound fluorocarbon, which is actually kind of light. Most of them run 30, 30 to 40 pound, but I'm like, I'm just going to go a 20 pound fluorocarbon liter, 30 foot. And he's like, why such a long leader? I'm like, mutton snapper are weight shy. They like a long leader. It just trust me. I mean, this is what everyone, you know, everyone says. So this is what we're going to do. And so put on a, like a five hole circle hook, break the beak off a fresh ballyhoo, put him on, you know, you rig it right through the bottom of his uh, mouth, out through his snout, throw him out, drop down the lead. I'm like, all right, when he gets to the bottom, just take the clicker off and keep your thumb on the, you know, spool. We're using conventional reels and uh with 50 pound braid and then that mono you know or the fluorocarbon leader so i'm like if it starts to take it you just let him take it for a minute make sure he's there because they're just going to grab it and eat it you know and you want them to eat it and you want that circle hook to do what it's supposed to do. it's not like a j hook like when we're used to seeing bass fishermen ripping their lips off like we used to do circle hook's not like that circle hook you let them take it eat it and then they start swimming away. All you do basically is you can just 
kind of point the rod in their direction and just start reeling. And what that does is it pulls that hook out of their gut and then they're swimming away and then it just circles right into their jaw. So you don't set, if you set the hook, you can actually rip it out of their mouth without them, you know, without setting it. And that's why I had such a problem when I was fishing in Sayulita the last time because it was the same thing. We were fishing on this reef and they, you just throw it out there, but he's like, just pinch it in your fingers. And then when they take it, just start reeling. And I was like, fucking <laughs> like, I didn't, I took me like probably a half hour and probably 15 misses to, to land a fish. Yeah. Cause it's just not in your head. Like just start reeling. No, I got to set the hook. No, mm-hmm. now it's different when, like when we're trolling, we're trolling with a J hook. You know, most guys, unless you're in the golf, the golf is a whole different set of rules. When you get on the golf side, that's pretty much all J hook or, or all circle hook. I'm sorry. J hook are illegal over there because of the, like the red snapper or their population. I mean, all the snapper, with the, the regulations on size and everything. And they don't want to, you know, they'll just, those fish are aggressive. They just freaking down in their gut. They get the hook in there and then, you know, they die. So, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even use a J hook for bottom fishing just because it's just, it's, want, it's they're a, just going to eat it. I mean, it's it's not. such a for sure thing with the circle hooks. You know, but trolling's a little different because them fish are hitting it going fast and you want to get it. And especially if you get a wahoo, you want to be able to get that hook and then, you know, set it or have the drag set really high so it sets itself because they got a really bony mouth. But Anyway, Mark's on the bottom. So Mark's on the bottom and sure (laughs) enough, he, uh, I'm like, if it starts taking it, just, yep, let him take it and then just start reeling. And. I'm not even, this is no bullshit. I'm not even done tying up my leader on my rig. And all of a sudden, Mark's, oh, got a fish on. I'm like, sweet, you know, reels it up and it's a dandy mutton. And so, I'm like, sweet. So, and I get my rig out and get back and we, you know, and we were in 100, I think 114, 120 foot of water. And so, I think we, we were just drifting. I wasn't going to mess around with the anchor out there. And so, we set up on the next drift and then all of a sudden, boom, I got one and then missed a couple on the next. And then it was getting later in the afternoon. So we ended up with two nice muttons that night. Next morning we go out trolling again. Uh, that, that day was beautiful. And we I think that was the day we caught. I think that the second day was the day we caught the mahi in the morning on the troll. And then we got the blackfin tuna on the troll in the evening. And then the last day we fished was the day we seen the Florida Sportsman on Thursday. And we were trolling for the Wahoo. Got back to the same wreck area, but the dive boat was on it. And when the dive boat's there, you got to stay 200 feet away for the safety of the diver. So that pretty much, you know, you want to stay. The one trick that we I learned, and this was I mean, I'd heard, like, there's, you know, they give advice about fishing the wrecks and stuff. And, you know, they're like, stay away from the wreck. Uh, the mutton, the mutton snapper, if you're, if you're focus, focusing on those, they, they'll go out and they'll, they'll get away from the wreck. You don't have to be tight to the wreck. They'll be on the little sand flats next to it and stuff. So if you get closer to the wreck, that's when you really get in by the sharks because the sharks like to hang out. 
And soon as there's a fish on your line and they're in distress, that's like a trigger for them sharks. Sure enough, the next, the, the last morning that we were, that we went out there, well, Thursday when we trolled, afternoon we got back, or, you know, we trolled until, like, we were done, like, well, let's go check out the wreck, because we had some dead valley who left over from the day before. Uh, we uh, made some, I butterflied a couple and then had some plugs, but that the dive boat was there. So we're like, eh. We went in, got lunch, came back out, caught some more fresh ballyhoo, caught, I got a zero mackerel, which was fun. Ended up, he cut me off on the first one. And so I quick tied up a little wire leader, threw another ballyhoo out on the surface. And all of a sudden it was just like, <laughs> taking off. Catch him, reel him in, nice little keeper. When I flayed him up, I found my first hook in his belly <laughs> and then caught some other yellow tails, uh, ended up, um, gaffing a Bermuda chub, which is considered a junk fish, which is funny. Cause I just seen Steve Ranella just yesterday posted a picture of him holding up two Bermuda chubs that he shot or his kids shot with the spear guns. And he's like, most people, you know, don't eat these or, you know, some, something similar to that, but they're great eating. Well, I had seen Landshark, another guy that's on YouTube that I followed. Get, he's got great information too. And then Haiku from South Florida Fishing Channel, he's seen Landshark. Landshark does all these little silly videos. Like he, he, he sometimes eats his bait. Like if you don't catch a fish, he's like, oh, we're going to fly up the mullet and try and cook, you know, catch clean and cook with that. So... They tried a Bermuda chub and actually like it, it won the taste test between that yellowtail snapper and some other fish. I might've been a freaking barracuda or something. I don't remember what the third fish was, but the, the Bermuda chub won. So Haiku, the, I see in his video, he's like, he was out spear fishing and he's like, well, I didn't see anything to shoot except all these Bermuda chubs. So I shot one since land shark said they're good. So he does a taste test. And he's like, man, this is really good. So when those come up into the chum slick, I'm like, they, I'm trying to catch them. And I couldn't get them to bite anything. And they're literally biting the freaking, the chum bag. So I grabbed my gaff and I gaffed a big one. <laughs> and when we ate that, my wife liked that fast out of the, because I cooked that up with the yellowtail and the cereal macro, which the cereal macro is more of like, a sashimi or you know a sushi grade fish yeah yeah i mean so we got a bunch of those when i was in mexico cereal or spanish well we spanish. The spanish macro it's the same but different so we did ceviche with that and all we did is just cut it up and a little right. bit of lime and yeah and that's what i would have done with it but our wives don't like that style they like it cooked <laughs> and so but the bermuda chub won the taste test and <laughs> for, for yes for us too so i mean it was excellent so bermuda chubs beware <laughs> <laughs> and what so i mean i gotta ask for for this like what's the legal method to take for bermuda chub anything like <laughs> okay. you can spear them gaff them you know net them whatever you want to do because they're just a they're considered just a like a junk fish or 
non-game fish, no regulations. I just wanted to clarify, like he's yeah. just out there, basically like like our carp here, you know. But they're good eating. And, and well, that's the thing too. Like some people eat our carp and think they're great. So, but so yeah, it was. I mean, so at we ended up going back out. So we went and got those serum macro, got the Bermuda chub, whatever. I'm just rambling on and on. But got enough ballyhoo, and we were going to head back out to the wreck and get the, you know, have, we had like a ton of time for the evening bite. Figured we could get our limit. Well, Mark's wife started, she ended up, she wasn't feeling well, so we had to run all the way back to the house. Well, you know, we're like seven, eight miles from the house. So. Which, I mean, so we run all the way back, drop them off. We're like, might as well get some lunch. And then we head back out. Well, that's 10 miles out to where the the wreck we were fishing. So we get back out there. And it's just, you know, we got probably an hour, hour and a half before it's dark. So plenty of time to catch a few fish. So right off the bat, we get on the drift. And the drift was perfect that afternoon. It was like a nice east to west drift. And we could get right across the backside and first drift through. Mark hooks another dandy, gets him up to the boat. I get bit, bit off twice. And then it signed up like, well, I'm going to tie on. I tied a little wire leader, which, you know, the mutton are. And I didn't even get a bite on that. So stay away from the wire leader. Because Mark ended up, he caught the next drift. He hooked up another mutton. But he got it probably, well, I could see, we could see it coming up and then all of a sudden a big gray shadow, gray and white, whoop. He's like, there's my fish. I'm like, no, that's a shark. <laughs> and all of a sudden his rod, he's reeling up and all of a sudden his rod's like, <laughs> gone. <laughs> and I'm like, you just got sharked. He's like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, we're too, we ended up, we're, the drift was pulling us in closer to the wreck. Freaking next drift, we go out. And Mark hooks in to, it must have been a stingray or a Goliath grouper, something that didn't even know it was hooked. Because he just hooked it. At one point, I do have some pretty good film of this. He just put it in the rod holder and it was literally just swimming, just like. Zzz. So we followed this thing around for at least 35 minutes. Probably, it was probably closer to 45 minutes. And, I'm like, and he never like got it. He might have got it five feet off the bottom. And now we're in 130 foot of water. Like, as we're going, we're just following this thing around. And I finally, I'm like, dude, you got 50-pound braid, but you only got a 20-pound leader. I'm like, if we had all day, we might be able to get this fish and see what it is. But do you want to really waste the rest of our evening, you know, and, and then break it off? <laughs> so, yeah, all right. So, he ends up breaking it off. So then we get back on the drift again. He gets hooks up another nice mutton. And I'm like, just reel. And he's just reeling as fast as he can. And all of a sudden, gone. And he's like, fuck those sharks. And throws his rod in the rod holder. I'm done. I'm like, well, all right. I said, well, let's get it. Let's just, we, I said, let's just push off a little farther. We're just getting too close to the wreck. So we go back out. Next drift. Bam. I hook up. And I'm just. I wish I would have had video of this because I was like freaking on crack trying to get this thing up and got just legal, nice little 19 inch. The, the mutton sap have to be 18 inches. 
And so then he's like, oh, well, maybe he starts dinking around with the rod. I'm like, I quick run back, get on the drift again. Bam, I catch another one. And then he's getting his rod out, retied and everything. And we end up, so we caught three, got three in the boat. And he got shark twice on two other ones. So we would have had five just in that short well, hour, hour and a half. Then it got dark, so we went in. And so that was Thursday night. Friday morning, got up, and it was windy again. And the boat, we had to return the boat by 4 o'clock that afternoon. So we just, we didn't even fish. We just kind of, we went over to the one sandbar where it's a little protected. And then, then we went out to golf and just sightseeing our way back. Because it was about five miles to the marina where where we had to return the boat but so it was i felt pretty good because those were the fish that i was going after and i got them and especially that like they said that the the dolphin weren't in you know they definitely weren't in you know and schooled up where you could go catch it like you know 5 10 15 20 schoolies but we caught one nice i got one nice cow and then i got one small you know black fin tuna well, that's what I was going to ask you, like, as far as, like, what does that look like as far as, like, numbers? Like, if you, that's the only thing I would have questioned is, like, if you would have went with a captain or something, like, would you have been, so been my, able to hit better numbers or? So, my buddy Jason was down at the same time, and he talked, he was staying right in a marina. Like, he was staying in a condo that had a marina right there, and so he went down and talked to the charter boats coming in every night, and he's like, yeah, the charter boats, they they didn't have shit. He's like, they went, he's like, we trolled. He talked to one, he's like, yeah, we went out trolling for dolphin. And he's like, there ain't any in, so we just wasted our time. We should have went out to the golf and went and got the mangrove snapper. And that was the day I got, you know, I got a dolphin in the morning and a tuna at night. So, and like I said, they're, they're usually kind of together. Like, you, you get out, we didn't get all the way out to the humps where I wanted to go for one, I didn't know it didn't say anything about it in the rental agreement online or my contract. But when we got there verbally, she's like, our, we have a 25 mile limit. I'm like, it's 27 miles to the beginning of the humps. <laughs> and I was planning on, you know, getting there and then going even farther, you know, 30, 33 miles, 35. But so I didn't push it. I mean, Did you get that rectified for next year? No, uh, I think I think we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I didn't want to push it, especially with like the windy conditions. Like I said, the first three days they were there were Saturday, Sunday, Monday, too windy to. I mean, we got out, we did some. We, we were in the boat every day. We, we weren't going out fishing. Like I said we tried it that one night trolling and. It was, it was pretty bad. We were the only boat out there. And, I mean, and there's usually a lot of freaking boats out, out of Marathon. <laughs> I just, I just think about like your, your Wahoo experience there, and you know, it's like, cause, cause other than that, you got all the fish that you were targeting, right? And so, yeah, and then the Florida Sportman caught. He, well, I, he, I'm just saying, it's just like if you like went into hunt a spot. <laughs> and you knew it was there, and then you seen Dan Infault and Mario dragging out a right. one fifty. You're like, God, I knew it was in here. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> and that's the whole t- like the whole time I'm in there. Trump, like, I'm from I'm confident in all the information that I've read and you know followed up on. I'm like, 
But then when it's happening, you're like, you're second guessing yourself. Like, man, really? Uh, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Maybe we should go over here. Maybe we should do this. Maybe I should just, you know, change my spread and put out a freaking dolphin spread. Or maybe we should just go bottom fishing. And I'm like, no, this is the day. This is the time. We got to just keep up, you know, keep at it. And then sure enough, you know, Captain Mike and then like his post is like, literally, I took a picture of it and sent it to Mark. It was the Thursday and we seen him fighting the fish. We just, we were far, too far away for, to see what, you know, and he, they're like holding it up and everything. I'm like, what is it? You know, and here he is holding up a picture of a Wahoo right off the coast of Marathon, high speed trolling, you know, on Thursday. I'm like, son of a bitch, I was right. <laughs> so. Uh, that's cool, man. Like, it, like for me, everything, it's all like foreign. Like, and. The like the fish I caught the the or the bait that I caught the wahoo or the wahoo the dolphin on was a sea witch that I tied up myself and rigged. I had a double hook rig, bought some bait strips that the land shark guy you know promotes and the good karma guy. And so and then I run I was running that on what they call a poor man's downrigger, which is a number eight planer seaplane old salty planer which is the old metal one with an eight ounce lead on it and i'm running that right off the back of the boat on a cleat and then i bought some freaking uh old shower curtain rod rings <laughs> i got one right here clip that on and then some a number 32 rubber band so that's my breakaway the old style wrap that around your you know i let out you know 50 100 feet of line wrapped around wrapped rubber band around your line clip that into the shower clip and then hook that onto the line for for the um planer and then you just let it back and it just follows that down so when we get done what's crazy is that's how they look they were perfectly chrome looking clips and by the time we got done trolling because you just pop it off and then so when you get done and bring them up and there might be five or six clips riding on the top of that planer all of them were rusty as shit in an hour two <laughs> hours like holy crap what <laughs> Some pot metal so if the listeners have made it this long right <laughs> and they're, they're like i've never heard john talk this much i didn't know i knew he was like anal about learning stuff and all this stuff and they're about this with fishing they got to be saying, like, do you or why don't you have your captain's license even for fishing around so here working in, on it. <laughs> in, in Michigan? So what does that entail? So uh, a captain's license is a captain license. I mean, it's Coast Guard. So, But there's different uh, variations of it. Like the main, like the one that most people are going to have is called a six-pack. And you can get that. You just got to have. 360 days on the water right but there's a six pack there's a great lakes one so then you have to have at least 90 days on the great lakes and then there's like a near shore which is like salt water near shore is from like shore or they have an inshore then they have a near shore near shore is like all the way out to 100 the 100 mile mark so pretty much you know and then they have like the master's license and master's license goes up in tonnage. Like the smallest one is 25 tons and it goes all the way up to unlimited where you get an unlimited master's and you can be the one, you know, running the barges across the ocean. 
but it all depends on, like minimum is you have to have 360 days on the water and it can be in your own boat it can be you can just go down like you can go to the nearest dock and just go out and find a charter and be like hey i need some time on a boat i'll be your mate you know whatever work for free that's why you get down in like the keys or florida and the mates don't get paid most of the time they're just they work for free they're getting their hours in and experience there's nothing beats the experience of being on a charter boat just from my time all the times i've rented charter boats you know and it's like man i've I've picked up a lot because i'm not always i'm not just sitting there drinking beer and kick back having a good time waiting for a fish to bite i'm sitting there right there with the first mate watching him tie the shit up watch him how he's rigging it you know why are we doing this you know i'm asking the questions and then next you know i'm helping him set out rods and you know some some boats don't like that because they can still you lose an ocean rod you're talking you could be dropping a thousand dollars some of them reels are a thousand bucks but so the captain's license thing is yeah it's just once you get your hours in then you have to take an exam and they have like courses and stuff to help you you know you gotta learn you gotta one of the biggest thing is like rules of the road navigation you gotta know the beacons the signals the signs and it, that i guess is one of the toughest so but once you get it you gotta have like a cpr you know certification it's called a twit card which is like a a worker's card and a physical and stuff so so why i mean what are you doing, like logging your hours on these boats right now? Or, I mean, how are you working towards it? So I have to get the paperwork because I can go back and log all the hours from the boats I've, you know, owned in the past. And then once, and then I can even log the hours once I get the, if I can, I can call up the rental place and they can sign my waiver that, you know, because they have to certify that they're the boat, they're the owner of the boat, blah, blah, blah. And I was on it, but, and then, so I just need to get my hours, figure out where I'm at with the hours. And then I'm going to take the, uh, it's, I think it's called Mariners. Um, they have like an online course that helps you, it, they point you through the whole thing. And then when, when I get down to Florida the next time, so in order to get the Florida or the, the near coast or near, near shore. shore, you have to have 90 days on the ocean. So, and once, so I can get my captain's license up here, like at Great Lakes, and then get down there and I can log my 90 days. As soon as I get my 90 days in, then I can transfer it to a near shore. That's a lot of years of weeks of vacation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I got two weeks next year. Well, three weeks. We're actually going for Christmas. Then we're also going back down for two weeks with our friends and uh, end of February again, so. I, my pl- our plan, I mean, I don't know. You guys might be missing me in a few years or a couple of years. I mean, doubt you miss me at all. Period, because it's normally Adam talking. But my goal is to be retired down there pretty soon. Jet's seventeen. He graduates next year. The other, you know, my girls are all in college or graduated college, so they're uh, they don't give a shit. Jet wants to go to school in Florida, so we'll see how that works out. 
There's hunting down there too, though. We can go do some pig hunting, turkey hunting. Maybe we can hook up with uh, deer meat for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I I wanted to to have you tell tell this on the podcast just because, like, you know, I, I've, I mean, this is the most probably that you've ever talked on a podcast. I keep looking over at the thing because I think it's just going to be just this for this episode <laughs> right now because I mean we're at like almost an hour right. of. But when you ask John about anything fishing, like if you ask John about like building strings or tuning bows, you, I, I can I can get about the same amount of information out of him. But when you ask him about like fishing stuff, it's like a whole nother realm of like we're 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 like scratching the surface of a whole nother depth <laughs> of what what John does, you know. Well, I just I mean, and I'm. I love fishing, and I know there's a ton of guys, you know, out there that fish way more than me. I don't even own a boat right now. I mean, I got we're, kayaks. We're gonna drop one off, and like, so we <laughs> talked about building this bow fishing boat last year, and John was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, the thing that was is like, John never went and got the boat, so we told him today that we're dropping the boat off in his driveway. And I told my wife, week. I said, "Hey, there might be a project <laughs> boat showing up in our yard before you know it, because that's my other plan too." Is and we kind of touched on this. My plan is like, you look for boats. I want a center console boat. I mean, like the boat we had down there was a 26-foot center console. It had twin 150s, which is like a perfect size. Anything over that, now you're starting into, you know, you're really starting to burn more fuel. I mean, we, like I said, we didn't really fish four of the seven days, and we still burned up 200 gallons of fuel, you know, at four bucks a gallon. So, so, I mean. That's why chargers cost so much. Absolutely. I mean, and then prices are, prices were actually low at the time, you know, I mean, and now they're just going up. So, so that was the thing, like I actually talked to the, when I was figuring out the boat for next year for the two weeks, I'm like, we're going to have a couple more people. So we might need a bigger boat because that 26 footer just didn't have, and then plus you got, you know, another couple or two to split it with. So I started looking into their 32 footer and she's like, yeah, it's a great boat. But I'm gonna tell you right now, it's a gas guzzler. It had it's way heavier. It's a 32 foot Sentry, and it had twin 225s or twin 250s. And when she says it's a gas guzzler, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that right now. So I'm looking. I my ultimate goal is I want to get a project boat like an old Mako Grady White, something or even. I'm looking at some well crafts, something that has a good haul and then completely gutting it, stripping it down and doing all the fiberglass work myself. I have to strip it all the way to the bare haul, put in new stringers, design the whole deck and, you know, compartments, fuel tank, all that, and center console and put on like an Armstrong plate, Armstrong bracket to mount the motors on. Because that's the one thing with this 26 footer that we had. 26 foot but you lose about three to four feet of the back of the boat because of the way the you know the motors are mounted on it and then they have a live wells and stuff and then they have you know the splash well and all that i mean you lose a ton of real estate where i buy a 25 foot boat and i enclose the back transom and put an armstrong plate or you know bracket on it now i just move those motors and i re- 
I freed up all that real estate. And basically, you just made the boat two feet longer, 30 inches longer when you add one of those plates on. So, if anyone out there knows of where a uh, 26 or 25-foot Mako Grady White center console or not for a cheap price, hey, let us know and I'll come and get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and John's been talking about this for a couple of years now, and it's like, it's like, for for me, like, I don't even like the boat that I got because it's like too much hassle. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I mean, I like going, going boating. I don't like going fishing. And I'm not, I mean, th- this is the first year I owned a boat. And I, I mean, I hate not drinking and fucking driving around. <laughs> like, I'd rather ride on somebody's boat than be in charge. Um and John's like, yeah, I'm just going to buy a boat. I'm going to just cut everything off of it and refiberglass the whole thing. I'm just going to make it into what I need. I just need a hull. I'm like, you are nuts. <laughs> just nuts. And, and, like, the amount, like, I, in 99% of the things in my life, I'm a good enough guy. I'm not, not a perfectionist by any stretch. And so, like, I can just imagine, like, the fiberglass job that I'd have on this boat, you know? Like, uh, to me, it just sounds like the worst thing. And I understand that, like, the the amount of cost savings is, you oh. know, well, immense. The boat that we rented, I mean, it was a 26-foot Sea Fox. And it's like, that's just kind of like low to mid-grade. And you're talking $130,000 for this boat. I'm like, that's as much as... My freaking first house. I'm more than my first house, you know? Like, holy shit. That's a lot of dough for just a a boat that doesn't even have, I mean, it had a little tiny cutty to t- go take a piss in, if you know, for the girls. I mean, literally. So, that's, I mean, I would much, I got more time than money is what I always say. And I'll, I love to figure shit out. And I know I'll, you know, do some fiberglass work, whatever. I'll build my whole I even looked into buying plans and build my whole boat from scratch. I mean, <laughs> now nah, it's getting them. I don't have a facility for that yet, but maybe my buddy Mark would let me use his, his, uh, building, but oh. that'd be something. So I think, I think we're just going to call this one right here. Um, we'll have to call it the angler, <laughs> the angler archer. Yeah. The, the angler archer, find him. Where can people follow you along with your exploits on, uh, Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. I have the Angler Archer, but I don't post any. Everything I do post is on the Bowhunter Chronicle. So there, there is the Angler Archer. I think it's the the underscore Angler underscore Archer on Instagram. And I do have a website, I think. I've registered it, but I never built it. So <laughs> someday maybe we'll have some merch or something on it. Well, I'll get that. I'll help you get that going, John. Well, I don't want to take away. It's hard enough for one for me to get content on one freaking <laughs> platform let alone you know my own so i gotta what a, the things i do contribute i gotta hey gotta, we got a whole episode out of you john <laughs> yeah people are like oh shit <laughs> this like, guy just shut you up you got like x amount of downloads x amount of downloads like two right <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to uh, no one wants can... to hear you john so just <laughs> stay in the back corner and what does one cat say like Who's the guy over in the milkweed or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, Who's the guy over there? Uh, too much milkweed, just sitting there, kind of dazed out on one of the videos. That was yeah. at the 
the latitudes were. Latitude, yeah. So, well, all right. Thanks, John. See ya.